Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming across across the globe, WSOU.net. And I am so happy that we have back in our virtual studio, Mr. Henry K.H. Wang, who was on our program a couple years ago talking about negotiations in China. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is very important, a book that has just been published called Climate Change and Clean Energy Management. Henry, welcome back to the program, and thank you again for uh, allowing us to have you on to talk about not only your thoughts about leadership, Lord knows that we need leadership with climate change, but to talk about your book, Climate Change and Clean Energy Management. Thank you very much. And it's great to be uh, invited back to the show. I really enjoyed speaking last time, to about two, two years ago. And uh, I'm very happy to be uh, to be speaking with you again today. Now, I, I need to let our listeners know that that pod, that interview is up on our podcast on Seton Hall University under leadership with Darrell W. Gunter and look for Mr. Henry K. H. Wang. And that was on negotiations in China. But now we're going to talk about climate change for our guests who did not have the opportunity to hear about your awesome background, can you just give us an overview about your education and background? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to do so. Yeah, I grew up in Asia and then I was uh, educated. I did my university education in the UK. I was at University College undergraduate and then uh, Imperial College London for my postgraduate studies. And after that, I work in the uh, corporate world uh, and I was a director for Shell for, for many years. And then after retirement from Shell, they invited me to be a director of Subic, uh, which is one of the biggest uh, chemical company uh, in the Middle East and in the world. Yeah. Now I have my own company and uh, I also do a lot of uh, work with youth leadership and uh, advising some of the leading universities in the world. Well, I am so happy that we have you on our program because you have such a vast of experience. But let's talk about your book, Climate Change and Clean Energy Management. What is the book all about? What is it that you want the reader to come away with after they finish reading this great book? Yeah, thank you very much. That's an important question. Well, climate change has uh, never been more important than it is now. And it's actually argue, arguably become the world's most urgent problem. And uh, solving this problem is proving difficult and complex main reason is it requires joint action by different governments, company, community, innovators, and also strong leadership from our politicians and presidents and prime ministers. The increased use of fossil fuel, you know, with the global economic growth have really led to rising greenhouse gas emission and CO2 emissions. And this has led to global warming. And there are many challenges that different countries are, are facing in tackling these because these have generated huge amount of extreme weather incidents such as hurricanes and typhoons. And therefore, 
it is important that we understand what climate change is about and what we can do together about to tackle it. I see. And so what prompted you to, to, to tackle this particular topic? Because the last topic that you tackled um, was negotiating in China. That's right, actually. It was actually interesting. I was lucky in my corporate life as, as, a, as a director of multinational company that I was able to be uh, asked to manage different areas. So I was chief negotiator for some of our biggest projects around the world. And then at the same time, I was lucky to be asked by the board also to, to manage uh, a new the, renew, the climate change and renewable area as part of my uh, management portfolio. And uh, in, in that work, I was uh, honored to be invited to, to join some of the uh, bilateral working group between the UK and China, which was set up by the Prime Minister of uh, the UK together with Prime Minister of China on climate change and uh, carbon storage. So these were exciting times, you know, and I've been working in this for over 10 years. And recently in my sort of speeches at different universities, some of the leading universities, I see a lot of students are now really, really interested in climate change and uh, in asking me what, what I can do, what they can do about it, what sort of future careers they can have. In, the, in this area, particularly in climate change, green finance, renewable. And that prompted me to write this book to really share my knowledge and also to, to share with all the young people and the students, you know, what an exciting time it would be. You know, for me, it's kind of common sense why this topic is important. However, uh, for my guests, who might have a different opinion, um, why do you feel climate change is such an important topic? Well, it's an important topic because climate change actually is ongoing. Uh, the world is uh, emitting about 50 gigatons of uh, carbon dioxide at this moment in time. And that has led to global warming. And global warming has resulted in a lot of the extreme incidents that you hear all around the world, such as the fire in Australia, the hurricanes in the, that has also hit the US, and drought all around the world. And if we don't do anything about uh, climate change, you know, and continue as we are, the experts uh, are now been invited. I'm very honored to have been invited to work with the G20 and also the B20 experts in, our, in our advising global leaders. And it is very clear, you know, these experts have, have said that <clears throat> if we don't do anything and continue as it is, these such, the, 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 the temperature around the world could, could climb to two degrees, four degrees, and these could need to extreme drought around the world, increased hurricanes, a lot of low-lying areas will be flooded, including New York City and Florida and Holland, and there will be severe food crisis. And so so I, I, allow me to ask, for the people who are the naysayers, the people, who, the businessmen who don't take it serious and, and are not taking the right decisions to protect the environment, 
um, how can we make this topic very compelling for them to wake up and do something about it? Yeah, that, this is a very important question. I think this is where we need all to work together to, to lobby and to uh, put pressure on different businesses and governments and leaders to make sure that they, they understand our concern. Now, it is, uh, I think it is encouraging. Let me share, I was uh, recently invited to speak in the International Energy Conference together with the CEO of uh, some of the major energy companies together with the Secretary General of OPEC. And, uh, you know, it is actually quite encouraging to hear all of them in their speech have now said that, well, in the past, we, we, we didn't realize that climate change was, was so important. It was actually a fringe management issue. But now, you know, in the last two years, and we have now realized this is a core issue. And a lot of these leading companies around the world, leading fossil fuel companies, are now actively transforming their, their corporate strategies and plans to, so that they can become more in the renewable clean energy business. But of course, this takes time and time is running out for us. Yes, that's right. And I mean, so when, when we look at the fires that were in Australia and based upon your knowledge and experience, and you feel that there's scientific proof that th these fires were caused by global warming? Is, is that my understanding correct? Correct. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was actually watching a, a very good documentary in London. I'm currently in London because Imperial College London and Imperial College Business School, which is the, some of the leading uh, universities in, in the UK, has invited me oh, yes. to mm -hmm. uh, come and give a speech on my new book to their, to their postgraduate students uh, in climate finance. Actually, this is, to share with you, this is actually extremely exciting. They've started this new course, MSc in Climate Finance, and it mm. is really one of the most oversubscribed course in, oh. the, uh, in the university. And uh, the students are really uh, like hotcake. They, they are really taken up. They, they really, I was talking to them and they were really an, an motivated to do their, to their bits after graduation to help to work in the areas of green finance, climate finance and things like that. So as to, to help to improve investments in, in renewables and other areas. But to answer your question, certainly, I think there's a, there's a really good documentary on, in, 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 on the TV at the moment, Global, and, and some Australian reporter has actually pictured a fire in her hometown and got all the experts around the world, and all of them agree that this is all climate change and they can do something about it. And they are now lobbying hard the Australian government to change their climate change policies because this can't carry on. People losing homes this year and next year, you know, I think wow. the prime minister recognized That's, that. You know, my heart was breaking when I saw the pictures of the 
the koala bears, the, the kangaroos. I mean, you know, it's, it's exactly. Just, yeah. It's just a they estimated mm -hmm. about 300 species actually have been destroyed because of the fire. And in additions, you know, thousands of homes. And of course, I mean, my heart, my sympathy really goes out. And seeing the picture, you know, people being trapped in the house and the fire really coming in, roaring in was was amazing. I mean, I, I, I really admire the bravery of these people to protect their home. But actually, this is something that can have, could have been prevented mm. on the hindsight, to be quite honest. Wow. And how, in your opinion, you say this could have been prevented. What are some of the things that uh, the world community could have done to prevent this from happening? Yeah. Well, that is uh, a... a the, the, some really interesting forecasts have been now put forward by some of the G20, B20 experts that I'm working with. And we're working towards uh, a policy paper for global leaders so that they can debate this in their G20, B20 meeting later part of this year. I mean, certainly, if we carry on as we are now, you know, the world global warming will go up to about four degrees. The temperature rise at the end of the century will be about four degrees. This could lead to extreme weather condition. We can destroy 30% of the world's GDP. This Ooh. includes extreme drought, fire, flooding of New York City, Holland, low-lying area, severe food shortages. I mean, when you think about um, New York City, Manhattan, right? Flooding exactly. Manhattan. Um, our financial, the world's financial infrastructure, right there. Um, that that would that would be that would be horrible. That would be horrible. Wow. Yeah, that Ladies, would not only mm -hmm. happen to New York; it will happen to Hong Kong, Singapore, other areas. You know, because the the global rise of sea level will yes. happen with yes. global warming. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Henry K. H. Wang who is the author of this great book, Climate Change and Clean Energy Management, Challenges and Growth Strategies. It is published by Routledge, which is a renowned academic publisher, part of Taylor & Francis, um, part of the Informa company. And Mr. Wang is a returning guest. The, the last time he was on our program, we talked about negotiations in China. Today, we are talking about climate change and clean energy management. So if we can, um, Mr. Wang, if we can talk about clean energy management, what are some of the key principles of clean energy management that will help with the, the climate change issue? Yeah. Well, the clean energy management is a very important part of um, helping to tackle climate change. Because at this moment in time, you know, with the fossil fuel that we're using around the world, uh, it is actually generating about 50 gigatons of uh, CO2. Mm. And we need to, to achieve the UN target, you know, reducing the temperature to two degrees or maybe even one and a half, we have to reduce that amount of CO2 by half to about 23 gigatons or, or even less, you know. So that's a huge amount of work to be done. And, but 
the therefore the the replace the transition what we call the energy transition is extremely important and this is something i talked about in the imperial college business school where a lot of governments around the world are introducing new energy policies where they will transition by law it will make it mandatory to reduce fossil fuel and to increase renewable and clean energy usage and this actually makes good sense because the innovations in renewable has been really developing tremendously to the extent that a lot of i mean you know 10 years ago renewable energy was very expensive and people said it will never make money never make economic sense that was a lot of what the companies were talking about but even today they recognize that um, renewable energy is now starting to be really competitive for example you know onshore wind at this moment in time in the uk is more in the uk and us is more competitive than fossil fuel power generation so it you know it makes no economical sense to continue to push for fossil fuel power generation when you have a very good renewable clean energy alternative wow and so <clears throat> i read an article recently and i was trying to find it because i wanted to make sure i reference it because i always want to give a citation about something that i read so that people really know that i've read it and i didn't make it up but someone was <laughs> arguing the point that it takes more energy to create uh, uh, you know electrical car batteries um, than it does to do the traditional you know gasoline engine um, have you have you have you read anything similar to that where folks were talking about the the way that these electrical batteries have to be managed and <clears throat> purpose that it, it it takes more energy and is more has a, has a more of a negative impact to the environment yeah i've uh, i've read 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 these that they are and i've also written about it in the book because i think as part of the uh, the the the, the solution to climate change or what we call the net zero pathways or decarbonization pathways to, to achieve the net zero uh, targets that uh, all the countries have agreed to in the Paris Agreement. Uh, green transportation, electric cars, and uh, are very actually very important areas and uh, it is very important of course to take into account the whole uh, there's been a lot of talk about electric car and the emission reductions and things like that but it is very true that one has to take into account the whole life cycle carbon footprint of electric cars including batteries and replacement and this is an area of tremendous uh, innovation. And uh, certainly there's been really huge amount of work, not only by universities, but actually by different car company in the US, in China, in Europe, in this area. And uh, there's been tremendous uh, improvements in battery technologies in this area, which could reduce their carbon footprint. The other exciting areas that I I, I, I learned when I was speaking at this major international energy conference with all the, uh, the, the, the CEO of the multinational energy company and fossil fuel company is that they are starting to realize they need to 
transformed themselves from fossil fuel company to clean energy company. And they suddenly realized that actually they have a tremendous, one of the key areas they can contribute to is that, you know, they can transform their, their, their gasoline and diesel retail stations into charging stations because one of the biggest barrier to electric car growth is the amount of charging stations that are available all over uh, the nation. And as such, now this is a tremendous amount of coalition work that's been set up in the US, in Europe, between the car manufacturers and the fossil fuel companies to establish national electric vehicle charging stations and network, which this will greatly promote the, uh, the use of uh, electric cars and reduce carbon footprint. And so, you know, Tesla has been in the news quite a bit. Yep. And um, what Elon Musk is, is doing there, um, the valuation of his company, of course, they say it's greater, currently greater than what Ford and GM behind. In, in your professional opinion, why is it that folks who have been established in the industry have not dramatically embraced this new technology? Because you look at what Tesla uh, Tesla is, you know, they got this new uh, electric uh, truck coming out soon. And they're looking to really make uh, such great innovations. Why is it that the former leaders of the industry do not embrace this new technology? Yeah, this is actually a very interesting management case. And I've also studied this and written about it in the book. I think all these traditional companies are all facing what we call the Kodak moment, mm -hmm. you know, because Kodak actually invented digital photography. Yes. But their leaders and their management were so fixated on the profit, short-term profit, that, yes. that yes. the... That the the developing the film business were generating them that they actually strategically adopted the wrong corporate strategy right not right. to develop the digital which then resulted in them actually vanishing as a company it doesn't exist anymore which right. is a real shame and this is when i speak to corporate leaders and things like that i i warn them that this is this could happen to them you could be a fossil fuel company with 100,000 employees with huge market cap. But, you know, this is a business that is actually a diminishing business. It's a sunset business. All the energy forecasts around the world tells you that fossil fuel consumption is going to reduce. So if you continue to focus your mind on petroleum, gasoline, and things like that, you can only see that you will go downhill. So you so need... To right. embrace renewable yes. energy. And so let, let's get to the leadership aspect of, of, of our interview here, because making these decisions, making these tough decisions requires insightful, thoughtful, circumspect leadership. What are some of the qualities that you feel that today's leaders must have in order to to be successful in order to make sure that they're not the next blockbuster they're not the next kodak yeah no it says uh, today it requires very strong leaders who have long-term visions and integrity and value 
you know, because it is true, a lot of these transformation and action in the short term would, could be expensive, could require new investment, and this could then affect their short-term profit and the return on investment. But they have to realize that this is something which is of long-term value for the society, for their company, which is good for their company. And at the same time, you know, I talked to one of them. This is something he will be proud to do to tell his grandchildren what he's done. You know, when he is retired from being the CEO of a huge multinational company, you know, one day he will be sitting at home with his grandchildren and he will be asking him, you know, granddad, what have you done? And he could either tell them that, well, I continue to sell fossil fuel, petrol and things like that and continue to make profit. And, you know, his grandchildren will not be very proud of him. But on the other hand, if he said, well, I've done this, I've transformed this and I've encouraged, transformed the company to clean energy growth and reduce CO2 emission and contributed to carbon emission reduction and temperature reduction of the world, I think most of the grandchildren will be very, very proud. So I said, the grandchildren test is very important. Just imagine you're going to be in that position. Wow, that's extremely powerful what you just said. And speaking to that, one, one group I don't want to let off the hook is the governance of the corporations, the boards. Because oftentimes, of course, the CEO gets the glory, gets the big, big payday. But the board, their governance is so important. So what message do you have to the boards of these organizations, both profit and nonprofit, that are dealing with this topic of climate change? Yeah, this is extremely important. The role of the boards are becoming more and more important around the world. And also the governments, the security, the stock exchange all recognize that. So security, stock exchanges and security commission around the world are pushing out new ESG requirements, environmental social governance requirements, which makes it mandatory for the board and CEO to follow and the CFO to follow. They would have to publish annual reports to show what they're doing in the environmental social governance area to meet this risk, to manage these climate risks and to manage minimize their risk to the shareholders and to societies. And they can be prosecuted if they do not do the right thing. They can be held negligence if they don't do this right thing. And more and more stockholder shareholders are taking actions around these. And these will, and it is up to us all to act together, to work together, to achieve this, improve the governance and the management of these uh, huge companies around the world. Wow. Henry, believe it or not, we're almost out of time. And I want to give you the last word. What are the key thoughts, suggestions, comments that you would like to share with our leaders and our listening audience about climate change and clean energy management? Yeah, I think climate change is going to be, is one of the world's most urgent problems. And solving this problem will require us all to work together from government, from companies, communities, universities, innovators. I think uh, we all got tremendous role to play. Uh, and this is something really worthwhile to do. And 
Clean energy is a very important area. That's why I further explore that in my new book, which will be being which is being finalized by publication called Renewable in Emerging Economies. That's particularly important. Oh and well, we're going to have to have you back on the program to talk about that one. I tell you, you're just a publishing machine. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm just important to do my bit for the world. <laughs> That is that is very good, sir. That is very good. And so I want to thank you for coming on our program. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Henry K.H. Wang, who is the author of this great book, Climate Change and Clean Energy Management. It is published by Routledge, and you can find it anywhere. And, and Henry, I want to give you the opportunity, if someone would like for you to speak at the at their conference, at their institution, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, they can uh, get hold of me through LinkedIn, social media, or they can uh, email me uh, on uh, hpcn8888 at gmail.com. And also, they can also find you through me because I am on LinkedIn and and this is where we use it to promote our show because this is such an an important topic. And uh, when will your new book be published? Uh, The new book on renewable and for emerging economies will be published probably in the middle of this year. Okay, well, we got to make sure that we have you back on before it actually publishes to promote it. So I want to thank you for coming on our program and sharing your thoughts about climate change and clean energy management. Thank you very much indeed. I really enjoy talking to you again. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this week on Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter. Remember, if you missed any part of this broadcast, you can catch our podcast on iTunes under Seton Hall University, Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter. We want to wish you a very good weekend, but always remember, leadership begins with you. WSOU. 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net.